Hi, and welcome to White Hat versus Black Hat SEO show. My name is Josh Bashinsky. With me, I'm doubly blessed today uh, on a special Friday presentation to have with me my co-host, Clint. Say hi, Clint. Hi, everyone. And we're blessed to have a special guest with us today, uh, a very top-level White Hat by the name of Eric Enga. I hope I pronounced your last name right, Eric. Uh, you did, so good job. Point. <laughs> well, my last name today. is difficult to pronounce, and so I, I get it if it gets mispronounced. <laughs> I'm, glad I, I'm glad I got it right. So uh, as I said, we're very blessed here uh, to have Eric with us today. Eric is a, a white hat. Uh, you know, I've been doing SEO for uh, 20 years. I uh, do SEO for big clients. I manage millions of visitors uh, a month. And I'm only saying this to give you a sense of, of how top level Eric is. Eric is probably a level of white hat SEO, which is even above me. I, I, if I'm being honest, I have to admit. I have Google's email. I can email Google and get a response within four minutes, which is pretty good. But Eric actually presents with Google at PubCon. So he's another level that's actually above me. Google will not appear publicly with me anywhere, shape, or form. <laughs> actually, that's probably on purpose, actually, given my reputation. But Eric actually presents with, uh, he presented with Gary Ilyish, who is a webmaster trans analyst from the Zurich office uh, from Google. He's presented, uh, you presented with Gary twice now, you mentioned at PubCon. Uh, yes, this year at PubCon and a year ago at PubCon, actually, we did. And then, actually, truth be told, also at our own Next 10X event last April. Hmm. Um, so a few times now. Fantastic. So folks, if you have any questions, if you're watching this live on YouTube, the uh, chat should be on the top right-hand side. Please, by all means, ask us any SEO questions that you like. If you want, I'm getting really old, and these glasses don't help very much. So if you could put three asterisks beside any SEO questions you want to be sure that I see. Otherwise, I might miss it amongst your general chatting and things that you do. So that'd be fantastic if you could mark it. Oh, you can, Clint, my co-host, even said mark the questions with three asterisks. Clint's on the ball today. I'm on it. <laughs> fantastic. So because Eric is very high up there with Google, you know, this is the white hat versus black hat show, but you know, there's real there's no real black hats here. Clint is just wearing this black hat, you know, just for kicks because he looks good in it. It's not like Clint is a you know, nasty black hat doing black hat stuff. But interestingly enough, before we started the show, Eric mentioned actually that he used to play for the other team, that he used to be on the other side. So I, I said on on air, we'd have to ask you that. So what did this mean, Eric? Because you're a top level white hat. Everyone knows you as a white hat SEO presenting with Google. But what is this I hear about you, you playing for the other team at one point? Well, when I first got into SEO, which was in the very early 2000s, um, I... Uh, um, basically, it happened because I was doing some business development consulting work for a client, uh, which has nothing to do with search. But I, I kind of just started up with them. And after about 30 days, I, I said to them, hey, you know, we got to figure out this search thing. It seems like we might get some business there. The site was a DVD e-tailer. So um, you know, the CEO, being a good CEO, turned around and looked back at me and said, Okay, Eric, uh, you brought up the idea. You, you go do it. <laughs> right. So I did. And that was all pretty straightforward stuff, what we did there. But um, after about a year, they were doing $3 million a year in sales from search. And it was like, scratched my head and said, wow, I think I probably should do more of this stuff. <laughs> and um, I started a venture with a friend of mine publishing education lead gen sites. And... Um, okay. Actually, the first site we published was online-motorcycle-parts.com. Uh, and we were ranking number two on motorcycle parts one week after launching the site. 
<laughs> but, but then the second one was uh, this education lead gen site. Um, and it didn't start right away, but after a while we began to understand that there was this thing called links. Uh, <laughs> if you do stuff with links, it could actually uh, um, have a, uh, uh, a beneficial impact on your SEO. Who so, knew? Yeah, who knew? And um, so the, the first thing that happened is that uh, I, I started doing a lot of link swapping, right? right. And um, it took, in, in a single summer, uh, I executed a, a thousand reciprocal links on this site with no help. Okay. Uh, so back in those days. Yeah, and you know, he's just grinding away at it every day. Um, and that worked for a bit. Um, and then we said, well, okay, what if we launch some additional sites? And so we created some sites where we scraped forums uh, on topic matter, and we launched sites full of forum content. Uh, one of them was nursing-comments.com. Uh, if that domain becomes available for you to purchase, I might advise you to pass on it. Um, and, uh, uh, and, and that worked pretty well. And then finally, we, we hit upon the idea of, well, what about student university newspapers? It looks like some of them sell links. So we went and bought links from these guys. Uh, and our SEO soared even further. We, at our peak, were doing 700 leads a day. Um, and uh, when you realize that we were getting paid $8, $10 a lead and there was two people in the company, uh, there were pretty heady days. <laughs> yeah. Um, but then December 14th, 2004, approximately, yeah. uh, happened. Uh, I came down in the morning and the site had been flushed from the index by, right, right. by Google. Uh, ah, and, the, the, the benefits and problems of blackout SEO. <laughs> there you go. So the, um, this is actually the, the beginning of the set of circumstances that put me on my white hat course. Mm. Because what happened is I went to SES Chicago uh, that year. It was like late for some reason, but it was definitely after the, the penalty. Um, and, uh, it, you know, I didn't actually get a main path, but I kind of got an idea what the conference things were about. And I came back and made a decision to go to SES New York uh, mm -hmm. the following March, I think it was. Um, and that was the start of every single time Matt Cutts presented at an SEO conference. Mm. The next nine months, I was sitting in the front row. Uh, I was the first person up to speak to him. I had a message, something I'd worked out that would be of great deal of interest to him, as well as you know my own story. And you know nothing happened uh, until SES Chicago the following year. You're trying to get Matt to 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 remove the penalty, or yes, we were. Uh, okay. I was. Uh, nothing happened until the following uh, SES Chicago when I saw him again and did my thing. Um, and I've never received any confirmation of any sort, but somehow, magically, the next day, the site was back in the index. <laughs> oh, now, there you go. <laughs> yeah. Now, to be fair, we had worked our butts off to truly fix the problem. We had removed all the, uh, the, the bad links. We'd killed the, the forum comment sites. We had... Uh, up the content, we got links from, I think it was 14 different State Department of Education websites. 
so we started to build up a really killer link profile uh, based on what we'd done. Um, and, and so we went straight white, so to speak. Mm -hmm. uh, and, uh, and I have been ever since. And uh, to, partly, you know, I just kind of felt like a, a debt for, um, for something that I didn't ever necessarily receive, except for it sort of magically happened the day after I talked to him. And mm -hmm. I've never talked to Matt about this, and I, I can't actually absolutely confirm that he did anything. But uh, uh, I, I find it highly way. correlative. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. So that's the story. It's uh, um, and it's really very much why uh, we espouse the philosophy the way we do now and the way we push things the way we do now because. That's really an interesting story. It's it's similar to a lot of people's story, of course. Right. Uh, back in the day, you know, early two thousands, you know, SEO was such a new field that black hat, white hat, there was not that much of a distinction. I don't think so, and it was just kind of like a heyday. But um, it's also interesting. You mentioned uh, I always I say on the show often uh, that there's a million ways to 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 skin the cat. There's a million different ways of doing SEO. Um, your way is kind of the classic white hat way of going to every big conference. Talking with Google employees, you know, among among other things you did, of course. But but you know, we don't get a lot of a lot of that kind of crowd on the show, which I'm very happy you're here, uh, because because I wanted to show people who watch my show that's that's one way of doing it. Go to all the SMX conferences, uh, go to all the big conferences, go to MozCon, talk with all the big white hats, talk with all Google as much as you can, and get in worm. I don't mean this in any kind of negative way or pejorative way, but worm your way into the cool club and kind of be in the cool club is is one way of doing it sure no absolutely and, and i'm uh, certainly i'm certainly guilty of that a little bit i mean i've i've had discussions with miley oh i've i've had discussions with matt cuts somewhat in, in famous infamous discussions uh you know I, I do have google people i rely on but at the same time i like to also branch out and and do experiments and do other kind of things as well it's it's interesting like some people will boil all of seo down to learning this one software program usually on the black hat side this software program is seo to them right like you right. could even do it on the white hat side with say sem rush sem rush is getting robust enough now that you could probably do not a half bad at s job at seo just learning sem rush really well and getting links but they tell you to get links from here you ask for links or or that would be black hat you you email them and suggest maybe a link would be nice is that <laughs> why not maybe Oh, you can ask for a link. There's nothing wrong with that. It's just, you know, you get into a whole different dynamic. You know, if you're asking for a link, the, the, the question is, why isn't that just asking somebody you don't know on the other side for a favor? And how likely is that to succeed? So then the white hat thing uh, becomes, you know, what do you do? Well, it's, this is neither white nor black. Um, what do you do to persuade them that it's in their interest to, to link to you? Uh, the white hat way of doing that is finding a, a content reason or why it would be good for their users or, or something like that. Mm -hmm. uh, but nothing wrong with asking, right? I mean, there's a very popular uh, uh, thing that people do. You know, there are tools out there that will uh, tell you and find for you sites or pages that link to uh, two or more of your competitors, but not you. Well, if they're linking to two more, two or more of your competitors and not you. Well, maybe it makes sense to get added and right. Yeah, yeah exactly. So that's very why not me? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, exactly. I mean, clearly you're trying to provide more than just like here's your one favorite source for this. You might be trying to provide a list. 
well, I belong on the list, you know. Right. And, um, well, that's that's interesting you say that, Eric, because you know I always thought that Matt Cutts said that the distinction between um, white hat and black hat, really, when you get right down to the fine point, is that did you ask for the link or did you did you not ask for the link? If you ask for the link, I believe he said that that's black hat on. on otherwise, that's black hat on that side. Do you you would disagree? I I do. I mean, it's marketing. It's it, look. There's a matter of how you do it, right? I mm. gave you a very specific scenario. Yeah. Right? Is this reach out? Uh, you see two or more different links, uh, you know, to competitors on some page, and you reach out. Um, um, they still have full editorial control, right? I didn't. I didn't attach a check. I didn't offer them free product. I didn't uh, give them a discount on our services. Uh, just said, hey, this might be good for your users. Um, and they still have full editorial control. And I think as long as they have editorial control, I don't view that as, as being black hat. And I, yes, the, the issue for Google in communicating about these things, and it's a very fair issue from the point of view of what they're trying to manage is um, if you give someone an inch in a certain direction, there are going to be thousands of people who want to misinterpret it into a mile. Mm -hmm. Right. So the asking for a link, the way I suggested you do it, becomes, oh well, shoot! I'll ask lots of people for links and <laughs> add them a little, you know, fifty a month under the table or five hundred a month under the table or whatever it is, right? Mm -hmm. uh, or um, and no one will ever know, and that's kind of the uh, you know, the um, thing that people misinterpret the idea of asking for a link. But um, yeah, I, I think. To, well, I mean, I'll give another example that, that fits into this. Uh, um, you know, it's, what do people think about guest posting, right? Uh, is guest posting over the line? Because you're creating the content. Um, and um, so I guest post all the time. I write a column on search engine land, mm -hmm. right? So, uh, and from time to time, if I'm writing about a study that we've done, I link to it. Not every article, but you know, once in a while, and I certainly get a byline link out of every time. Right um, now, I'm not on search engine land because of the massive SEO value I'm expecting to get out of it. I'm out of it. I'm there because it's the right marketplace for what I do. Right. right? Um, so, um, you know, there's nothing wrong with that either. But again, that whole general sense can be misinterpreted into a mile too. Right. Uh, it's like, okay, now I'm going to start doing uh, uh, posts. Uh, like one thing people think is every guest post should go on a different site because I want to get on the maximum number of different domains. Mm -hmm. um, and that's good classic uh, uh, SEO thinking, which I actually think is pretty dated today. And I'll mm. explain why in a moment. But put that aside for a moment. And if that's your belief, then you inherently – no matter how good you are, you're going to work your way down to lower and lower authority domains, right? Yeah. I mean, there are only so many really high authority domains that are going to say yes. And then you'll use them up. And eventually, you're going to find yourself down in the mire, right? Um, where there's no editorial control. You can jam five anchor text rich links in the middle of your post if you want to, mm -hmm. um, and stuff like that, which. Um, you know, which isn't what I would advise people to do, but it's uh, and and you wouldn't advise them to do it because it looks spammy, 
or you wouldn't advise them to do it because it is spammy? Um, well, you see the distinction? Yeah, sure. I would say all of the above. Uh, <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> um, I, I mean, so, uh, right. I mean, uh, and, and also it, it's another way to judge whether a link is a good link or not is if you show it to one of your potential customers, would you be proud of it? Right? Uh, or sometimes I give it a bit more of an acid test. Would you show it to your children? <laughs> okay. Right? And, and what, what, what will they think if they see it? Right? Uh -huh. um, um, there's more tests you could give. I, I actually, my favorite test for whether a link is spammy or not is a simple one. Um, which is, um, if you have to ask the question, you already know. <laughs> right. Well, I mean, but there's there's kind of a distinction there. It's it's, and again, this is where we get into the philosophical kind of debate between white hat and black hat, and it's largely a subjective determination at at some point. I mean, if, if I'm like, okay, I'm not asking for a link. I'm saying I've got the best resource on red apples. I'm going to email these people and say, hey, you should link to me because I am the best resource on red apples. Whether you do or not, I don't care. I'm not giving you any money. I'm not soliciting for a link. You just should do it, whatever. Word it whatever way you think on your end, you'd be white hat. It's, yeah. not, it's not my problem or it's not my control, what editorial control they have and how it's going to end up looking on their site, right? Why is the, the, the one asking for a link getting blamed or going to get a penalty possibly if these people over here don't have very good editorial control? Well, yeah, I mean, that's a, that's a great question and a complicated question, uh, but you knew that. Um, so <laughs> why I asked it. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Um, so the, I guess that's the other part, and I kind of already alluded to this already, right? So if the site has no editorial control, then the question is, do you really want to be on that site? All right. Um, so we know that, that Google discounts um, uh, whole links from whole sites, like Inc., for mm -hmm. example, that uh, got overrun by people who had um, publishing rights that were a little bit too free, <laughs> and, and they started marketing links. Yeah. And uh, you know, all of us on this call, uh, this video call, get, get the emails from people uh, offering us links in Huffington Post and Forbes and, you know, I'll write a guest post for you and mm -hmm. uh, 200 bucks for a link and, and, and That's so That's cheap. <laughs> well, whatever. Need, where, where are you getting that or, quote from? Because my quote's yeah, way higher. <laughs> yeah, okay. Well, I'll forward you a few. Um, <laughs> so, um, uh, but, you know, Google's aware of those things. Oh, of course. Right? So, uh, you know, the, the the sites that get mentioned in, in like many of those emails, you, I, I, I just assume that they're completely discounted at this point, mm. like ink. Uh, and, um, and, and therefore, kind of a waste of time. But, and by the way, I don't think there's anything wrong with being on a site like Huffington Post or Forbes. Uh, it could be I good could, traffic. It could be good yeah, exposure. Right. And I could tell you because uh, last I knew, I still had open publishing rights at Forbes. What that means is I can go put an article up and there's no editorial review. Mm -hmm. No one looked at it. I, I load it in, I hit publish, and it's live. Yep. And so 
when you have lots of people with those kinds of rights, you're going to get abuse. Right. Mm. Um, so and, and the other aspect of this, and I want to make sure we get this into the conversation since I'm sharing the white hat perspective. Sure. Um, uh, the, um, I wouldn't like to just go do a large scale guest posting campaign and not do anything else. Right. Like, for me, uh, you know, we're big proponents of very active social campaigns uh, and building fo social followings and, and, and the like. Um, and I would, every guest post you ever do, you should share and not just once. It mm -hmm. should be in your publishing cycle, which has a very interesting implication to it, which is you should be proud of it. Mm -hmm. Right. Uh, and, and, and then it should be a part of a broader marketing campaign, not some standalone thing flapping in the breeze over here. Yeah. But it's just part of how you're marketing what you're doing. Yeah. Uh, and you're getting on sites where you have audiences that might be interested in your products. So uh, I'm not delusional. I don't think you're going to get uh, uh, thousands of visitors clicking through on the links, but you might get a few. Right. Yeah. Uh, the more important thing is you're getting branding value in front of your target audience and you're backing that up by promoting the post and, uh, you know, cross-linking between that post and maybe things on your site and from your site back to that post. And um, it's right. part Ideally, of Ideally, you get the most bang for your buck from any one piece of content. You'd brag about it and share it and write about it any conceivable way and right. send it all out there. Yeah. And that's what we work with people try to to try to do. I just brought up the guest post talk, topic because uh, I, I know it's one of those areas where it's controversial and people have strong opinions. Well, yeah, of course it is. I mean, <laughs> there's two main reasons why I see that that's the case. One, because it's the it was the main SEO strategy for quite a lot of otherwise reputable uh, companies who wish to maintain its white hatness, mm -hmm. just like a lot of uh, white hat companies wish to maintain the efficacy of the disavow process which right. I've gone on public record saying many times that I don't think it works. In fact, I think it's more harmful than anything. Right. And I took my licks for it. But the other sure. reason that uh, uh, guest, guest blog posting is so uh, controversial, as you mentioned, is because Matt Cutts, can we bring up Matt? He doesn't even work there anymore. He hasn't worked there for years, right? right. But he said a few years ago before he left that, blog, that uh, guest posting was dead. Stick a fork in it. It's dead. So... Yes, and did you see the original version of the post? Because it got edited within about three days. Mm. Uh, because the original version was more strident. Uh, and then based on feedback, which I assume probably included internal uh, company PR, he, he eased it back just a little bit. <laughs> uh, but if you read um, um, what Matt wrote in the post, right, the example he gave was of, um, uh, let's see, we did t say that we were going to get to name calling, right? Sure. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And, uh, and as I said before in our conversation, once we get to name calling, we've achieved Twitter, Twitter, Twitterness. Yeah, we're yeah, we're yeah. as good as Twitter at this point when we start hurling epitaphs yeah. at each other. Yeah. I mean, the, it, it was, it was sort of a dirt bag level pitch. I mean, it was mm. like, it, it, it was no, obviously no care to the quality of the content being created. There was very little care put into the quality of the pitch. After all, they sent it to Matt Cotts, the head of the web spam team at Google. You know, that's not, you know, um, the way to get high scores on your IQ test. Um, and, um, you know, it, it was, uh, um, it, it was a really bad example. And so the first thing, you know, 
the first barrier you have to cross with guest posting from my philosophy point of view is have a real subject matter expert create a really good to great piece of content right uh add value right i mean a lot of stuff my favorite uh, example ever of rich anchor text is this post and they're writing about um i don't know traveling in australia in the post and um they uh, the, they have two sentences next to each other in um the post and it, it, it's like um this is the area of australia you should go to if you're looking for wine to buy period used cars are also very or something like that and they took buy used cars across the two sentences it's buy period space space used cars is the anchor text they couldn't even fit the damn anchor text in the same sentence. <laughs> so, you know, it, it's and it's my favorite example because I've clearly seen worse than that, but it's just so stupid, right? <laughs> I mean, you know, the person was crunching it out so fast that, you know, they couldn't even work it into the same sentence because they had 40 others to write that day or whatever it was. Uh, and, um, uh, but, you know, add real value and then put it in a place where people are going to appreciate it mm -hmm. where your says, um, with a strong editorial control uh, and do it in moderation and integrate it in the rest of your marketing is, you know, the, uh, and, and so, right. And it isn't just about that. There's all the other things you're doing. So content you're right. publishing on site that you're designing to attract links. Uh, uh, data research studies are awesome. Uh, infographics that have really actual useful information as opposed to a lot of infographics which don't. Mm. Um, uh, one of my favorite ever was the one about how to wash your hands. Um, uh, and it's like, okay, that's a really important topic. I'm not sure it deserves an infographic. But, <laughs> um, you know, so uh, these are the um, kinds of things that we push people to do. Yeah. Um, I just want to quickly take a little break here. I see that. Erock has joined us. Eric Christopher, uh, otherwise known as Erock, he was the winner of our White Hat versus Black Hat SEO conference we did this summer, and he uh, unfortunately was presenting for the Black Hat side. So right now the Black Hats hold the prize. He won the five thousand dollar purse at our conference this summer, and he he uh, uh, because he's that kind of guy, he donated it all to his friend. His friend's uh, child is actually struggling with cancer right now, and I know he did it because I was on the call when we did it publicly. Yep. So um, awesome. it, this is how this is how he won. He said, "If you guys vote for me, I'm going to donate my my prize money all to my friend." And he put up a picture of this child struggling with cancer. Right. We probably shouldn't laugh because it's a child with cancer, but I couldn't help but laugh because it's so black hat to do it this way. He said, "If you vote for us, if you vote for me, I'll donate all my money to this child with cancer." And he did. So so thanks for joining us, Erock. I don't know why you're, you're not showing up your face and talking, but if you just want to show up so I talk about you. That's a good way no, to, get, uh, to get marketing. Can you guys can you guys hear me? Yeah, yeah. we can hear you now. Yeah. Okay. Awesome. Yeah. Um, I actually I didn't realize I had another program open and it's captured my camera, so it's uh, it's not letting me broadcast on here. So. Well, at least we can <laughs> um, hear you. 
but anyway, I, I, I just I didn't realize I thought it was a so the time zone change. We're here in Arizona, and there's a time zone shift for everyone else, and we don't change. And so when you said twelve the other day, I thought you were referencing my local time. So all right, I just went and checked email. I'm like, oh man, so right, right. The weird places in North America. I probably where missed the, all it's the province. In Canada, it's only Saskatchewan. Saskatchewan's the only province that they don't change times. And and you're saying in Arizona you don't change times either. We decided to just buck federal law in Arizona back, I think it was World War II, when they decided to do the time shown shifts. And we're just like, we'll stay. So everybody shifts around us, and we have to remember the different time zones. And <laughs> Just yada, to make yada, it yada, difficult yada, so. for us. Okay, well, thank you for joining us. So we've been talking with Eric Enga, who is a top-level white hat. Thanks very much, Eric. There was an interesting philosophical debate. I just want to kind of put a period on that before I move on. It's my show, so I get to have the last word. <laughs> uh, I, I hear what you're saying entirely. My biggest problem, I think, with that whole issue is there's a difference between the determinations that Google says objectively make it white hat or black hat or, or uh, against their rules or not against their rules, and then there's a whole lot of subjective determination as to practical recommendations that we SEOs make to clients. Now, we would definitely say, subjectively speaking, this looks spammy to me, and it is a risk maybe to put your link there, but I would like objective standards from Google as to is this against your rules or is it not? And when they say, does it look spammy to you? That's not an objective determination. That's a subjective determination. And that's that's where the bees get in my bonnet. I start to get a little miffed. But we're not going to resolve this debate ever <laughs> on this show and not period, ever, period. So, so right, on from there. So thanks, guys, <laughs> for joining. There's another thing I want to talk to you about, Eric, that I found was really interesting. And I mentioned at the top of the show, you presented with Gary Ilyish at PubCon a number of times. Can you tell us a little bit about how that came about? Because uh, for those of you who don't know who are watching, Gary Ilyish is, as I, as I mentioned, a webmaster trans analyst working out of the Zurich office. He works out of that same office as, that John Mueller does. And uh, he's one of the bigger Google spokespeople who goes to these conferences. I don't know if that's going to change now with Danny Sullivan taking a role with, with Google. But if you can talk to us, Eric, about how that came about, how did you, how did you approach Gary to present at PubCon? And, and what, is your, what is your approach for interviewing Google at PubCon? Sure, and I'm happy to talk uh, about that. So, um, uh, yeah, with uh, Gary, I mean, I've seen him at a number of different conferences, and just at one point along the way, I, you know, uh, you know, had a lot of good chats with him and got a lot of value out of those chats in terms of just learning uh, more about how this or that thing worked. Ob obviously, he's not sharing the algorithm with me, but right. you might learn, you know, an interesting perspective or factoid, which. Uh, is valuable. So, uh, let me ask you, Eric. Sorry, how much of the algorithm do you do? You honestly, think Gary knows? Like, do you think he knows seventy well, percent of it, hundred percent of it? So, well, I mean, he's nobody. Go to the obvious. Nobody replaces Matt Cox. Matt was, you know, the twenty-something employee at Google, so uh, and been there all along and sat in the so-called cool kids office at, at Google in Building Forty Three in Mountain View. Um, and, and, you know, with Amit uh, Singhal and uh, mm -hmm. Ben Gomes and... Um, they shared an office for a while, as I understand it. Yes, they did. The three of them sat literally in the same office. And mm -hmm. um, uh, so, you know, his insight and depth of visibility to everything was, is, you know, th there's few in the world that can get that. And Right. I mean, Gary has been involved in certain things. He was a direct driver of the HTTPS uh, algorithm, small and minor as it is. Right. Uh, but I know he's been involved in some other things. Oh, there's something else he mentioned, and I can't remember it right now. Um, 
uh, might have been hreflang, but don't hold me to that. But I mean, so um, um, so he knows bits of it, and of course, there's a lot of internal chatter about things, and uh, but there's, there's no way you get someone at a Matt Cutts level again. That's just not going to happen. Right. Right. Okay. Um, but I, I interrupted you. Sorry. Please go on about about about. Yeah. Well, in any case, I mean, at one point, I just asked him if uh, he'd be open to it, and uh, and he said yes. And and then I got in touch with the folks at PubCon to see if they would add a session, and they did. Um, and and for me, see, uh, and and you know, as we just talked a moment ago, or you were talking a moment ago, you know, you have your your frustrations uh, with with Google, and I understand where those are coming from. <laughs> Who uh, me? No. Yeah, well, there you go. Uh, I'm, I was just trying to soft pedal it here a little bit. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you very much. Thanks for the name calling later. Um, right, right. And, uh, um, you know, and it, but like when I have a chance to talk to, to Gary, and especially in a stage situation like that, um, uh, you know, I, I want to try to delve into things where I can get him to talk about things he wants to talk about. Right. And if I do that, then I can get some things out in uh, uh, revealed for people who are paying careful attention. <laughs> Sometimes the comments are pretty subtle. <laughs> yes. Uh, but they're important. And you got to be careful not to read way too much into it, but, uh, you know, because a subtle comment isn't always meant to be interpreted in a broad sweeping way. But, um, um, you know, I mean, when we have those conference conversations, I'm, I'm, I'm genuine with him and I, he's genuine with me. And if he can't say something, he says so. And mm -hmm. uh, so, I mean, I, 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 I have a lot of respect for him. He has a really tough job. Uh, yeah. And, um, yeah, it's a really tough job. I, I don't begrudge John Mueller. I don't begrudge Gary Ilyich. They're in a tough job. I mean, people come onto their Hangouts and ask John Mueller point blank, what is the algorithm? Tell me, tell me how it works. And I keep saying, he can't answer that question. He, right. One, he'll get fired. <laughs> to, right. Two, he, he probably doesn't know the whole thing. Three, oh, yeah. he, he can't answer that question. Stop asking him how it, how it, how it works. But you know, no, one, no one listens to me. No one gets the memo, right? <laughs> there you go. Well, a lot of people do listen to you, but not the ones that are going on the uh, <laughs> that that hangout and asking. Yeah, so um, so that's kind of how I try to uh, conduct those conversations. And it was it was interesting. Like the the last uh, uh, thing at PubCon, we're we're about to publish uh, a, a transcripted uh, video for the session. Um, we haven't published it yet because cleaning up live interviews. Uh, voice from live interviews takes a lot of uh, uh, work, but um, he um, we talked a little bit about how different types of media makes their way in the search results, mm. and you know uh, like YouTube and images and stuff like that, and and he talked a little bit in a way that was pretty revealing about well yeah I mean clearly it's coming from different algorithms now. I think those of us who know search would have had the intuition that that's the case for quite some time, but I don't think I've ever heard a Googler say it. Mm. And for me, if I can get something on the record like that, which that'll help a lot of people. So that's right. kind of what I try to do with that. 
Let me ask you a tough question, Eric. Um, when you're interviewing Gary on the stage at PubCon, are you interviewing him from the perspective of uh, being in the Google camp, or are you interviewing him from the perspective of being in the SEO camp? Um, so, if you, if you know what I mean. <laughs> yeah. No. Sure. Uh, uh, well, I'm I'm a, a lead. To, uh, I think a leading digital marketing agency where SEO is a big part of what we do. So, really, my objective is to get some information out there. Mm. I don't don't I don't vet the questions with Gary in advance. I, oh, really? No, uh, I uh, bring the questions that I, th I think are areas that he's going to be open to talking about, where I can get some things on the record. Uh, so I think that okay. puts me in the SEO camp. But you know, I'll be honest. I mean, uh, uh, so uh, I'm, you know, I'm, uh, very positively disposed towards Google. <laughs> uh, I've had a very good career there. Uh, right. Uh, uh, I mean, there's only so much you could really critique. I mean, at the well, end of the day, all SEOs, even the vocal ones against Google, we live or die by by Google's uh, good graces, right? <laughs> right. And, and I mean, I, I like Gary. I like John Mueller. I mean, hmm. uh, Nathan Johns. Uh, all those guys. They're good-hearted people. Uh, enjoy talking with them. Happy to drink a beer with them. You know. I mean, um, but uh, yeah. Uh, I'm, that's what I'm trying to do with those interviews. Well, I'd like to thank you on behalf of the industry for doing that. I, I asked that question, and I'm going to turn it over to Clint Nerock in a second so these guys can get a word in edgewise, because Eric and I could probably go on for a few more hours like this. But uh, I, I, whenever watching Danny Sullivan interview Gary or Matt at, say, SMX, before he now works for Google, I always, you know, I, I always thought to myself, that's a really softball question. Like, like how how much is this Danny trying to get to the truth and give is SEOs some knowledge that might help them in their job, and how much is this just a PR exercise from Google? And so you know I always call me the cynic, but I always wondered a little bit how much that was going on. But I, I trust you when you say that. I find it very interesting that you didn't vet the questions with Gary. So that that yeah, in my book that goes a, goes a far away in in my book anyway. So I'm gonna turn it over to Clinton Erock. You guys, uh, my my supposed. Maybe black hats. <laughs> Maybe <laughs> they're kind of clandestine black hats today because they were all whitehead SEOs. Just in case Google's watching this, I don't know. Eric, Eric has a big, huge following. Who knows who's watching? So I don't know. But I wanted to turn it over to you guys because we've been talking a lot. If you guys have any questions, any comments you want to talk about? I do actually. Uh, you get you wrote this one, the art of SEO. Yeah, and right now my monitor, my uh, laptop is sitting on top of five copies of it to jack it up high enough so it doesn't, <laughs> doesn't look like I'm looking down at people like that. So kind of level it off. So yes. How did you get that many people? Well, there's three of you that agree on SEO, and then two, are you planning on updating this at any time? Ah, so uh, uh, actually, the story there is in December of 1998. Stephen Spencer approached me at SES Chicago. There's a lot of SES Chicago in my history, um, and asked me whether I would wanted to join him and Rand and Jesse Stricciola in writing the book. Um, they had a contract with O'Reilly, and they were a bit uh, stranded uh, or yeah, stalled, I should say. Uh, and I joined. I said yes uh, after checking with the people that were going to be impacted because it was going to take a lot of time. 
Um, and I wrote the uh, complete first draft, leveraging lots of articles that Stefan and Rand had written. But I wrote the complete first draft of 13 chapters in 13 weeks. Wow. Uh, so it was a hairy time. <laughs> I can imagine. I can imagine. It took, uh, I, I found that very funny what you said, Clint. How did you get three people to agree on what SEO is? That was the first part of the question. <laughs> yeah, well, that was the first part. And, um, well, I mean, let's be fair about it. It's the idea of this SEO is something is static is wrong too, right? That's I mean, the other problem. Yeah, I'm you have your book that's going to remain the same for years. <laughs> right. But this is what's so good about SEO testing, right? If you're, it's, if, like, you, you get your site to perfect optimization, whatever that is. Mm -hmm. uh, and then, you know, six months later, it, the ball's going to move. So if you're not like actually testing new things, you know, you're off the reservation. So you have to keep tweaking and keep working. Right. Yeah. That's another reason why I think SEOs maybe in more your, your area will, will tend to more subjective -y kind of statements because those are the kinds that are a formulaic that might fit multiple scenarios moving forward in the future. Sure. So you come right. by it honestly. I, I don't. I don't begrudge you that. Right. Well, no. I mean, you, you, the idea that SEO is a simple best practices game, and you can get your handle on what the best practices are, is wrong. Yeah. Right. It's not. I mean, well, yes, it is, but then it isn't. Uh, you, you get sort of three quarters of the way there with right. that philosophy, and the remaining twenty-five percent is, you know, uh, this iterative digging. For, for just to, to give an example of that, so for example, uh, Clint and I are, are members of a group that do uh, independent controlled variable uh, SEO testing. And so we've tested down to the laser edge of exactly what keyword density will give you a boost, and then at what point it will actually start giving you a drop in rankings. We've tested this multiple times. So we know the exact number right now. And I'm telling people what it is on my show, but I will also tell them, I have told them, and I will tell them again so they remember I said it. <laughs> I'll email it to you. <laughs> you can join the group, actually. It'd be interesting if you join. But, but, um, but that will change the second, just what you said, that will change the second Google tweaks their algorithms. The, Google, the, the second Google decides to tweak that keyword density algorithm up or down, some sites are going get, to get a little bit better and some pages are going to get a little bit worse. And so you're right. Like If you're going to go to that laser kind of, not really black hat, but technical kind of what are the actual ranking algorithms edge, you've got to change every time they change, otherwise your, your rankings are going to go up or down. Right. Absolutely. But if you take a more philosophical approach, for lack of a better adjective, th that you've been suggesting, like, does it look spammy to you? Is it good content? Those kind of subjective questions, at least that, and this is, uh, this is a point in your favor, that will more, if you can achieve that Zen state and, and understand how to practically implement those subjective kind of, yeah, home, those kind of subjective uh, terms, you will better stand the test of time, assuming that Google always wants quality content that doesn't look spammy. Right. Which is a good assumption. Yes. All right. Well, that's, this has been a fascinating, this, I love these philosophical SEO debates. That's been fascinating. But I want to make sure we have time to answer any questions people have given us here in the chat. If you're listening and, and you didn't hear me say this at the, at the top, if you're watching this live on YouTube, there's a there's a bar at the, the top there to answer questions at the top right hand side. Please mark them with three asterisks, as my my co-host so dutifully asked you to do. So I'll start asking them now if they receive a phone. Oh wait, Neil I, and I do want to I do want to mention one thing, Josh. Can you hear oh, me? Oh, go go for it, Eric. Yep. So yeah, a couple things. So one, if you're watching this live, make sure to subscribe so that you can you know get <laughs> the best up to date SEO information from these gentlemen. 
And then I do have a question for uh, our beloved uh, guest speaker today. So um, I'm going to put you on the sarcastic. He's just very affluent like this. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, in all seriousness, though, I am going to put you on the spot because I love to interview people. Um, so what it what in your opinion, based on the things that you've been testing, Eric, the things that you've been seeing uh, across the industry, what have you noticed as being the biggest like shift or, or thing that's working over the course of 2017? And then as a corollary, what's your prediction on the trend for 2018 as far as what you believe you, you think that the evolution of the algorithm or, or, or Google's next steps are gonna be for 2018? Uh, great questions. I'll try to remember them both. I'll start with the first one. Um, and that is, uh, if you look at um, the every time chatter starts out there about, um, uh, you know, uh, some Google tweaks to the algorithm, uh, and then you see people talking about, well, what's behind it? Mm -hmm. Like every single release in a year, Oh, content quality is one of the big things that they, and and it's like this m mantra that that people are um, uh, banging the drum on, like it's like the only thing that Google looks at is sort of the implication of all this chatter that you see out there, and you know surely there's more to it than that. But having said that, um, I think as they get better and better at machine learning, uh, even though it is a subjective criteria, uh, to Josh's point. Uh, I, I, you, you got to chase it, in my opinion, uh, mm -hmm. and really work very, very hard on, on um, uh, improving the depth and quality of your content. And I am in, fond of telling people uh, when I'm presenting that, you know, uh, I'll, I'll point out the audience, I'll say, everybody in this room is underinvested in content. And then I'll put my hand up and say, including me, right? Because there's just so much to be gained with that. And I think that's, that's sort of the, it's so much in Google's strategic interest as their algorithms get better and better and better, they're just gonna push the envelope in a big way. So that's one, one part to the answer to your question from, from my perspective, um, uh, Eric. And the- Do you think that'll continue into 2018? I find I it interesting you mentioned machine learning because whenever Gary is asked how much machine learning they're doing, they said, we're not doing anything, don't talk about it, there's no machine learning, only rank brain, and that only, that only uh, deals with queries that you've, we've never heard before. We don't do machine learning otherwise. Like, they'll downplay it very quickly. Yeah, they do, uh, and, and, and it is, in some sense, a, a little bit of a bogey, uh, because you know, what are they gonna use machine learning to do? Oh, the same thing they were trying to do already. So, it, you know, it's not like you go from being over here and then suddenly SEO has become this thing so far over here, it's not even us. No, I mean, you, you still have sort of the same basic challenges um, that, that you have to solve. So the machine learning thing, yeah, they'll find some ways to get better at integrating user engagement to, uh, into more parts of the algorithm. They, I mean, but it's not like it's going to be a, a whole student body left thing where you're in another, um, uh, I don't know, universe or something. Because then they wouldn't be able to to control to fix it if it broke. Well, among other things, right? Uh, that's one thing people don't understand about machine learning. I've actually built machine learning algorithms. I actually 
if I, uh, well, I, oh, it's on the other side of my door. I, I have, uh, um, I have uh, taken the, the Stanford uh, University machine learning course taught by Andrew Bing and um, the uh, University of Toronto course taking, uh, taught by Jeffrey Hinton, who actually consults with Google on their machine learning. Okay. Um, and uh, based on that, I actually built a, uh, uh, my own machine learning algorithm, which is, from a commercial point of view, useless, but it was an exercise. Right. What it does is it takes all the data that we collected on Twitter engagement, and you can put uh, facts about your tweet in it, and it will predict your chances of getting a retweet. Oh. Okay. And it's a machine learning algorithm that used a, a neural network. It took 48 billion calculations to generate the algorithm. Uh, and, it, it, you know, it works. And, you know, um, so, but the problem is, you know, neural network, you have all these nodes in the network and people aren't going to understand this unless they know. But imagine there's five nodes on this layer and there's 12 on this one and six on this one. And these are the things that go into the algorithm. Uh, and then all these equations are guiding what's happening between all these nodes. It's all opaque. I mean, you don't know what's going on. Right. Right. So they're very hard to debug. And people think that Google is going to replace every algorithm, every human algorithm they have with machine learning. Why would they do that if the human generated one is working perfectly well? <laughs> yes. <laughs> Because they have intuition about how to debug that one when something new comes out, the human-generated one, not so with the machine one. Right. I guess it all depends. And I don't know how to pronounce his last name. You you said the same thing at PubCon, but John Gianandre, who was their head of AI, who is now their head of uh, search quality, I believe. Um, you know, yep. only because he was their head of AI, so they're going to move in an AI direction, I guess. Or... Yeah. No, there definitely was a shift with Amit Singhal leaving and. Uh, you know, we don't know for sure, but the, the desire to make the shift might be why he left. Mm. Don't know one way or the other, but... Yes, uh, there was you know. some other allegations going on at the time I won't mention. Uh, well, there you go. Uh, but, um, uh, yeah, it definitely was a big move in that direction. And, and, and people also misunderstand rank brain, right? They, mm. uh, they think it's the algorithm. Well... No, if you listen to the descriptions of it, it's a very specific machine learning algorithm that serves one point cause mm -hmm. that works remarkably well on long tail queries and does basically nothing on head terms. Right. And it presents a suggestion. We could have this screen or this screen. This is the way it was working. This is what I think, based on what people click, could do. Which one's better? The quality raters say this one or this one. And so that's what gets selected? Uh, yeah. I mean, it's something along those lines. And I could actually. Sh I don't have time to pull up the screenshots because we're almost at the end of the the time. And but um, that, that'll be the, that'll be for the next time you join. <laughs> People be we want to see Rank Brain. What he knows <laughs> Rank Brain? What they'll be freaking out. <laughs> yeah. So the, the 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 query we captured query for uh, a whole bunch of things on many dates, but because we do that periodically. But one of the queries we captured in July of 2015, I think it was, uh, was why are PDFs so weak? Mm -hmm. And what it does is the first result at that time was a PDF file discussing why the coalition in, uh, resistance, uh, sorry, the Iraqi resistance to the coalition invasion was so weak. Right. Had absolutely nothing to do with the user's query. And then we captured the same thing six months later, 
And it uh, now, at that point, the first result was something about the security and encryption of PDF files. Closer. So now, now it's on point, right? Yeah. And if you do the same search today, the entire first page is about PDF security. Yeah, yeah. So that's so, rank brain. That's how it works. But okay, that's rank brain in action. Yes, uh, that's fascinating. Again, we could talk for hours about that too. We could talk about hours for everything. I want to make sure I get to some of these uh, questions from from the people who've been watching here. So Neil Cheeseman asks, and this is open for anybody to answer it. And Eric, I'd love to hear your point of view too, if you have one on on the questions. Is what is the best way to find out? Uh, well, sorry, what is the best way to find keyword opportunities for your own website uh, that are not ranking on page one? So what is the best way to find keyword opportunities for your own website, several hundred thousand pages or posts that are not ranking on page one? I don't even know if I understand the question. Search Console, use Search Console, that'll tell you, and use SEMrush. Those two tools right there alone will do what he's looking for. So I think he wants to know new, new low-hanging fruit, new- Yeah, so essentially, like when we get a new client, we know the market's gonna be tough, but we wanna keep them on longer, so we go after the, the low-hanging fruit, find what's on page two, bottom of page one, in Search Console and SEMrush based on their reporting, and we'll go after those first. Right, um, right. While we're working on trying to figure out how to rank for their, their dream keyword is what we call it. <laughs> the, the head term, yeah. <laughs> I think that's probably what he means. I think you're right there, Clint. Uh, Xander asks an interesting question. He says, do you think Google changed adult classifiers in September? Many queries are now showing mainstream brands instead of the usual adult results, even for blatantly adult queries. So um, much to your uh, group surprise, I uh, actually have some insight to, to this particular question. Oh. <laughs> uh, um, I, I think they did, actually. Um, there did appear to be a shift at that point in time. Hmm. Uh, and we, we saw in some of the tracking we do, uh, a bunch of uh, adult sites take a hit, even those that, you know, were, call it soft, you know, soft porn type sites, uh, um, appeared to take a hit. Right. <laughs> Uh, there's so many jokes. <laughs> there's so many jokes. <laughs> yeah. I'm, my head right I'm, now. I'm, I'm biting my tongue down. so hard. I just is bleeding. <laughs> yes, my tongue is bleeding. Yes, yes. That's not... No, no, no. We could use the rest of the show for just joking about this. I'm not even. Okay, so I find it interesting just politically what's going on right now with Google and Facebook um, catching a lot of heat for not curating the results, maybe to a lot of people's satisfaction when it comes to fake news or when it comes to. Uh, uh, egregiously, what seems to be racist or 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 uh, 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 prejudiced uh, results. Uh, so I find it interesting that they would make this change to the adult classifier right now. Um, you can comment on that if you like. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, and, and they also made changes recently uh, in. Uh, um, oh no, that's not. I'm sorry, that's a paid search thing. Uh, I was confusing topics, but. Uh, yeah, it, it is interesting, and they are getting a lot of pressure on that. Uh, the Wall Street Journal actually just released an article yesterday about featured snippets, and they called out uh, examples of some featured snippet queries that weren't giving good results, one of which was uh, biggest cheaters in sports. Um, um, and um, the uh, uh, results started with uh, Tom Brady and Bill Belichick, um, now, I'm from New England, by the way, so I'm a passionate Patriots fan. Oh, so uh, they're in the right spot. 
Yeah, so, um, and I have been from long before they were any good, by the way, so it's no fair weather. <laughs> so, um, but nobody earned as much as wealth uh, sports-wise as we got uh, out of that um, run. Still going, obviously. But, um, yeah, Google fixed it within a couple of hours of the article going live. What, are you, what is your stance on having Google and Facebook, obviously, um, essentially what I call censoring. So they're, you know, everyone's calling for them to filter the fake news, but who's deciding what that fake news is, especially when we all know that Google outsources significantly to India, for example. It's very complicated identifying what's fake news, mm -hmm. right? I mean, there are things that are legitimately subjective mm -hmm. uh, and, um, and subjective to the, doesn't always mean a negative. Sometimes it's like, yes, it's subjective. There's of course, really, there should be different some issues. Way, some yeah. That way, and uh, and is it uh, you know one thing offering a Republican point of view and another offering a Democratic point of view? Um, I yeah, I don't know how they could truly get a complete handle on that. There's always going to be edge cases they're going to mess. Yeah. Um, I, I just don't see how they get around that. I personally think it's very dangerous, and I happen to have a TED talk about this. I personally think it's very dangerous to have a private for-profit American Silicon Valley company deciding what is true and what is not. <laughs> that is as that is the height of danger. Whether you agree with, uh, whether you fully agree, and you're in that culture as well, they should not be the arbiters of truth. But at the same time, I, I appreciate what you're saying, Eric, in that well, they already are doing it. And so let's not bitch and whine, Josh, about whether they should be doing it or not. Let's get it fixed. I think the only way they could fix it would be uh, implementing a Wikipedia-style editorial process where do you agree or disagree uh, and uh, just make that as unhackable as possible. Well, but you, you, wisdom of the crowd is sort of a misnomer, right? I mean, True. Uh, so I, I, I don't know how you solve the problem. It's a great question because I literally don't know how you solve it uh, um, uh, well I think they're already tracking uh, entities and in, in, including people and so they know I'm an entity on SEO so if, if it's an SEO related uh, question and I go on there and I say this is false it's kind of like the local guides they know I'm in Victoria BC they know I'm a local guide for Victoria BC and when I say no this restaurants not open past 12 p.m. My, my answer has, holds a little bit more weight than, say, 10,000 people from the Philippines or from microworkers or something. Yeah, well, no, that's, that's, that's certainly true, uh, for sure. Um, but but it's, that's still very complicated. And, and, true. Uh, and, and, you know, the, your point is well taken, that, you know, uh, a, a publicly held uh, uh, for-profit company uh, in Silicon Valley, um, um, you know, being the arbiter of truth, but but on the other hand, they're the one with the service providing the answers, so they're stuck with the role. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh, and then I guess the question is... Boy, I wish I was stuck in that role. <laughs> yes. <laughs> boy, you're To stuck. be the philosopher king. I mean, boy, boy I have so much empathy position. for those guys. Yes, if only I could be the philosopher king. Well, by the way, I'm in no way in this point, you know, trying to be necessarily empathetic about it. Uh, uh, I mean, the, the fair question is what's the right oversight? Mm -hmm. right? And um, Governmental? 
Uh, well, is it governmental? I don't know, but maybe it is. Uh, it's not a question I've tried to think through, but the, the idea that there should be some sort of oversight uh, for that particular topic area. But then, okay, how do you trust the oversight? We can't even trust our government not to do gerrymandering right. on, uh, on voting boundaries. Right, and so, why should it be the U.S. government when Google supplies ma the majority of the world with their search answers? Right. So, it, so give it to Justin Trudeau. Trudeau will take care of it. Yeah, <laughs> right. <laughs> okay, well, it's, it's 1 o'clock, guys. Um, I'm going to answer one more question from the, the, the group here. Yep. Uh, um, uh, here's a technical kind of SEO question. We haven't dealt with that a lot. Uh, he asks, his name is George, and he says, please advise if you recommend adding pages for AMP. Do you recommend moving to AMP right now? So um, what I will tell you, we did just publish on October 9th a study where we looked at and interviewed 10 different uh, brands and their AMP experiences. Uh, eight out of the 10 got uh, positive experiences. Um, uh, only three of the eight were media sites. Uh, we saw one um, uh, ticket listing uh, reseller site that got 100% lifting conversion by going to AMP. Mm. Um, but it's not simple. Mm -hmm. uh, and if you're going to take on the challenge of doing AMP, then you have to commit to building essentially the same UI you have for your mobile responsive site. Uh, and if you're not willing to do that, I would stay away from it because having a crappy looking site that's a lot faster is going to perform really badly for you. Yeah. <laughs> but, right. but the opposite side of the thought experience is if I have the exact same user interface or virtually the exact same user interface and it loads in one third the time, that's not going to be anything but good for you. Right. Right. Can you, but, Eric? When you referenced a positive experience, and I don't want to like you don't have to address this in the midst of, of interrupting, but can you address what you how you defined the parameters for positive experiences? So it was usually uh, the, the answers varied, uh, Eric, but uh, it was a um, uh, increase in conversion rate, uh, increased uh, e-commerce sales. There were a couple of. Uh, uh, e-commerce sites in the mix that we looked at. Those are two um, good things. Yes, they are. And then there's even data that suggests that users look for the AMP symbol in the search results and are more likely to click on it. Hmm. So, so I mean, unfortunately, I'm going to have to run here very shortly. Uh, but, um, the, but on the flip side of the coin, I get the other side of this, which is, okay, this is going to be sitting in the Google cache. Yes. Uh, uh, if you let it which you don't have to let it, by the way. Right, right. Um, and that brings some challenges from an analytics point of view, and then also concerns about you know, uh, Google eating the web kind of thing. Um, Back to that philosophical concerns we've been having. Sure. So, um, uh, but it's easy to fix. Just, just leave one small trivial bug in your AMP code. It won't validate, it won't go in the cache but you'll be leveraging the open source protocol to create really fast pages. Wow. Uh, so, um, and I know from handcrafted pages we did, we went from 461K bytes on one sample page uh, with a handcrafted AMP page with basically the same UI, 145K. <whistles> Don't wow, be faster. okay. 
Well, that was a my that, that was a mind blower. That one, I love that one. That that's a beautiful hack. Thank you very much. Um, okay, so thanks, guys. We should definitely close down the show. I know Eric, you got to run. Uh, so this has been the White Hat versus Black Hat SEO show. Uh, as as my co-hosts here are are and guests are so nice to mention. Uh, would you if you could like it, we'd appreciate that. If you would subscribe, that'd be nice. I always forget to say these things. I always just remember to say at the end of the show, if you have any more SEO questions, by all means, you can contact myself. Uh, contact the show at joshbashinsky at gmail.com. Uh, and uh, Eric, Eng, uh, I'd like to thank you very much. Well, both of you, I'd like to thank you for joining very much. And I Absolutely. hope you have on a future show if you'd like to join us again. And bring I'd Mark, bring other people if you like, and we'll, we'll get a good, merry, philosophical debate going on here. Yeah, well, and hopefully we'll get uh, Eric and Clint back, and uh, we'll, we'll get more into that uh, back and forth part of the debate. <laughs> sure. Yeah. Yeah. yeah well, we'll let them. We'll let them talk a little bit. So <laughs> give our mouths a break. So okay. Well, thanks very much, guys, for watching. This has been the White Hat versus Black Hat SEO show. And as I always like to say, uh, uh, we're normally on Wednesdays. This Wednesday coming up, we have Matt LeClear, who has taken over for the uh, late great uh, Eric Ward, who unfortunately passed away recently. He's taken over his uh, mailing list, and we're going to be talking with Matt about what's that like taking over for Eric Ward and uh, talking about the great Eric Ward a little bit on that's next show. That's the coming Wednesday. That's on the, tw the 22nd and the 29th. After that, we have uh, some black hat or old black hat friends from NFG SEO coming to join. So that should be fantastic as well. So again, thanks a lot for joining guys. And if you have anything final to say, your contact information or anything you want to say, now's the time. Nope. See you next week. Yeah, I'm good. You can follow me at stone temple is the handle. But other than that, good to go. Perfect. All right. Thanks a lot, guys. We'll see you soon. All right. Thank you.